Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It's part two of our 14th episode. I don't know if we call this the 15th episode or not. It's part two of 14. This is the second half of the 1980 World Series winners tournament. So we covered the left half of the bracket on the last episode. Now we're just kind of diving in to the second half of the bracket. We're just going to get right into that. We're assuming you listen to the first half of this. If you're jumping in now and listening to this, uh, you probably want to listen to part one first and maybe even listen to the previous episode where we start with the first round and break down the tournament and uh, all the teams in it. Quick update on the voting before we get into it. By the way, it's the same crew. Uh, Chris Deary's here. Hey, Chris. Hey, Mike. How are you, sir? Great, man. Uh, I just assumed everyone knew it was you and Steve Giles back for more. What's up, Steve? Hey, what's good? So which of these is the best World Series team since 1980? Uh, the voting is off to a decent start. We're going to try to pick up the voting. It's Sunday today, and we're gonna, the voting will run until Wednesday, April 15th. So we've still got a few more days of voting. The 98 Yankees are beating the 2000 Yankees, 66 to 33. No surprises there. Uh, the 1980 Phillies and the 04 Red Sox are in a dead heat at 50-50. Deary, what do you think of that? It's kind of surprising. We, we talked about that Phillies team just being uh, two guys, Carlton and, uh, and, and Schmidt there. But, uh, yeah, Red Sox are hanging in tight. I, th- I thought the Red Sox were the favorites. But uh, see how this gets down to the wire. Uh, I imagine a lot of late votes will be coming in here the last uh, few days. 
Absolutely. And then the 99 Yankees are hammering the 88 Dodgers 63 to 36 right now. Uh, Steve, that's got to make you feel good because you were not very high on this Dodgers team. Oh, yeah. There's no way they should win. Get them out. Get out. All right. The 03 Marlins are getting blown out by the 95 Braves 89 to 10%. That's a. Uh... The 03 Marlins did well in the first round, but I guess not as much love in round two. We'll see if that can turn around because the Marlins fans made a huge push in the last round to get both their teams to advance. And then, guys, the 84 Tigers and the 90 Reds. It's 55 to 44%. Uh, the Tigers are ahead by 11%. Are you concerned right now, Deary? I am very, very concerned. Uh, Eric Davis seems to have had a good uh, game one and game two. To, uh, <laughs> obviously, game four is probably going to be tomorrow here, so it's, it's a tight one here. We'll see who the match, pitching matchup is for game four. Yeah, Steve, your Reds are looking like the upstart, just like they did in 1990. I mean, they're down, but it's, uh, it's like a 2-1 series lead for the Tigers. This one could go either way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just remember, Deary, that Davis lacerated his kidney in game four, so if it goes beyond four games, <laughs> I think we're toast. So, yeah, game four is going to be huge for the Reds. They're going to have to win before Davis blows out. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was our key matchup from the last round. You know, like we said on the last podcast, Steve is a big Reds fan. I mean, Deary are Detroiters, of course, Tigers fans. Not really right now, but, you know, obviously the 84 Tigers are the gold standard of all Tigers teams in our lifetime. And uh, we'll see how that one shapes out. Probably the 87 Tigers were better, though. Hmm. So then the 91 Twins are rolling over the 05 White Sox. This is a blowout. It's 89% to 11%. So very disappointing showing for White Sox and Pale Hose fans right now. Let's see if uh, they can get those numbers up in the last few days of voting. And the 2016 Cubs are beating the 96 Yankees 62 to 37. Deary, you love this Cubs team. That's good news. Yeah, get rid of some of these Yankees teams. Uh, obviously, one has to advance because that 98 versus, uh, what, 2000 or some shit like that. Uh, yeah, that Cubs team. I think uh, I think they're gonna make it. They're gonna make it to the next round, no problem. And the '83 Orioles are rolling the 2017 Astros 76 to 23 right now. Uh, that's .9. So in case you're wondering why that doesn't add up to 100, percent 76.9 to 23.1. Steve, uh, any sympathy for this Astros team, or are you like fuck them? No, they were great. Uh, sign stealing or no, but yeah. Uh, yeah, since this is our own fantasy bracket, we get to punish them for ways they weren't punished during the uh, World Series or regular season. And uh, so, yeah, get them out. Fuck them. <laughs> I love that 83 Orioles team. I, I watched the 83 series versus the Phillies. I watched game five a couple of days ago, and Eddie Murray hit two home runs. Again, he's so smooth. Eddie Murray was such a great hitter, man. Uh, definitely a Hall of Famer, and I'm glad he's in. Uh, and then the O2 Angels are down. This is the Angels' only World Series winning team, and they're losing to the 2012 Giants, 60 to 40. Uh, Deary, any comments on that, or is that what it should be? I thought I'd see a better showing from uh, this Angels team. I thought this was a pretty solid team, and I'm I think none of these Giants teams are that exceptional. It'll be really interesting when we talk about some of these teams if it sways some of the voting, specifically this matchup. And uh, also a couple other matchups. Once we kind of dig into some of these numbers, we might give uh, credence to why some of these uh, voting voting is going a certain way. And in a quasi rematch with the 92 Blue Jays, except they're taking on the 2008 Phillies, but the 92 Blue Jays, which is a really excellent team, are 
solidly handling the 08 Phillies, 66-33. Kyle, do you have a horse in this one? Do you prefer one of these teams? These are both really, really tough teams. Uh, I got fonder memories of the uh, 92 Blue Jays, though, so I'm going to vote for them. Yeah, I totally agree. That was a that was a powerhouse team, and that was during my heyday of really getting into sports video games. And the Blue Jays, that was a great team. On Sports Talk Baseball, they were dominant, no doubt about it. And then it's the 09 Yankees, like we uh, mentioned before we went live on the air here. They're getting smoked by the 2001 Diamondbacks, 75-25. Deary, you said that was surprising. Yeah, it's a little surprising. I thought it'd be closer, but, uh, I mean, I think all three of us picked the Diamondbacks in this uh, matchup, even though we did like the Yankees squad because of the murderers row lineup they had. But, uh, obviously, the Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling factor is certainly playing into effect right now. So, uh, it's going to be a tough road to come back for the Yankees. Definitely. And then a team we haven't talked about much, the 89 A's, because they were not – they're on this side of the bracket that we're going to cover now in this episode. They're uh, cruising in the Bay Series showdown against the 2014 Giants, 78 to 22%. Uh, Steve, do you think the 89 A's will blow this lead? No, I don't think so. Uh, 2014 Giants were kind of underwhelming, and uh, 89 A's it may not have been the best A's team but, uh, you know, all you need is a little earthquake, and you can take the base series. Yeah, it's interesting. It, they are just the, – they are the only one that won a World Series from 88 to 90. So, even if they weren't the best of the three, they were – they're the one that is represented as the king of the uh, stretch run they had there. Then it's uh, 93 Blue Jays are back for more. They're rolling again. Blue Jays fans are showing out over the 2015 Royals, 75-25. I think this is disappointing. Deary, I'd like to see this Royals team get more love. I think they should be being blown out even more. Uh, when we talk about this this series today, uh, I'm going to convince everybody why the 93 Blue Jays were better than the 92 Blue Jays and how that Royals team was a complete farce. Wow. All right. Talk about a teaser, baby. Man, you should work for ESPN Radio. Impressive. <laughs> and then the 86 Mets are hammering the 87 Twins, 80 to 20. I think that one speaks for itself. The Twins were an upstart. That 86 Mets team probably should have won and been in maybe a couple more World Series, but Davey Johnson was too much of an alcoholic, which is disappointing. <laughs> uh, and then the Red Sox are losing. The 2018 Red Sox, who were a really good team, are losing to the 97 Marlins, 60 to 40 right now. Guile, the 18 Red Sox were a powerhouse. The 97 Marlins were a wild card team. What do you think of this? I mean, uh, this is the fish fans showing out again, right? Like, uh, you know, get your fucking goofballs ready. So let's watch a fucking 20-minute-long jam. Uh, and then, yeah, Red Sox also signed Steelers, so there's not much left for them there. But definitely the 2018 Red Sox were the far superior team, top to bottom. Yeah, we'll see how that one turns around. And then in another uh, somewhat of a stunner, maybe, the 07 Red Sox, which was also a very good team, cruised in the playoffs. They're getting rolled right now by the reigning World Series champion, Washington Nationals, 62-38. to 38. Deary, is this 07 Red Sox team, is this indicative of a, a lack of a online presence? Is the Red Sox fan base too old? Oh, yeah, Sox Nation, where are they at? Exactly. I don't know what the hell's going on here. The Nationals, when I put this post up, the Nationals fans just exploded onto it. They they jumped onto it immediately. There was a lot of love. I think it's kind of the fever of being the team that won last. I think there's a recency bias. Of course. 
but they but they still showed out for the team. It's uh, interesting. I'm, Red Sox are in big trouble right now in all three matchups, so we'll see how that plays out. You better get out there, Red Sox fans. If anybody listens to the podcast and you are a Red Sox fan, get on our Twitter, at Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. That's on Twitter. The voting is pinned at the top of the profile page. All matchups, all 16 of them are right there. I have properly organized them as opposed to the last round. This is much more organized. It's all there for your voting pleasure. Please get on there and uh, get your fan base united. You know, let's, let's make a final push here. We got about three more days of voting, so let's get busy. All right, guys, let's get into it now. So we're covering the right side of the bracket. This is part two. We're going right at the top and going to go all the way down to the bottom. So it starts with the team we just talked about, the 2018 Red Sox, a number one seed against the 1997 Marlins who beat the 85 Royals in round one. Deary, why don't you start us off? Let's hear about this 18 Red Sox team. Yeah, what a team. 108 victories. Uh, they easily take care of the Dodgers in the series, beating them four games to one. The 2018 Red Sox offense was just absurd. They led the league in runs, hits, doubles, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and had over 200 home runs. Uh, they were the top four in all American League pitching statistics. And, you know, they dominated three stud teams in the playoffs, beating the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers. Mookie Betts wins the MVP. J.D. Mon JD Martinez has a monster year. Uh, Cora takes over as the manager right at the start of the season. And who can forget in the World Series, Steve Pierce comes out of nowhere. It's three home runs and has eight RBIs. David Price goes 2-0, and and they have an easy championship title under their belt. So this is a really, really solid team. I'm surprised by this voting right now that they're actually behind. So, like, we just talked about, where is Red Sox Nation right now? Yeah, that's crazy. I forgot that Steve Pierce had his – yeah, he had a career run. That was really cool. Steve, well, what is your opinion? A lot of respect for this team, or is it overrated? Oh, yeah. I would repeat what Deary said. Uh, 108 wins, beat the Yankees, beat the Astros, beat the Dodgers. And those were the powerhouse teams, and they just waltzed through. But, yeah, I guess Red Sox Nation's busy with their uh, Apple Watches because uh, I guess there's uses beyond <laughs> telling you that your music is too loud or alerting you that your heart rate is elevated. And you seem to be running pretty vigorously just before your typical bedtime, which I don't know if you leave your Apple Watch on while you're cranking it, but, yeah. <laughs> you can always switch it and uh, confuse the algorithm. But, yeah, uh, th this team was uh, just excellent all over the field. This was a great year for Mookie Betts. Uh, it had been a career year for him. He definitely led the charge. Mr. Cora was the manager, and he was the guy who took over for John Farrell, who had done a decent job, but a lot of people thought he hadn't done a good enough job. And Alex Cora shows up and just takes over, and they have a killer season. So. He led them on a charge. The team was top to bottom, a really balanced offense, a great offense with good pitching. Also, David Price came alive in the playoffs and really helped them out. And Nathan Avaldi had a great run. He was able to parlay that into the contract that was $68 million over a couple of years, and that was one of the reasons that Dave Dombrowski eventually got shit-canned. So it's interesting <laughs> how that all played out. Now, on the other side of the coin, let's take a look at their opponent. Now, these Red Sox are a great team, but these 97 Marlins are scrappy. They're scrappy in the fact that maybe they underperform, but when it's crunch time, they come through because they were a wild-card team, but they keep fighting, and they have a lot of talent that was bought by the blockbuster guru, 
Wayne Huizenga. Deary, what was up with this 97 Marlins team? How do they do it? We talked about how we didn't think they were as good as the 03 team. You know, they finished 92 and 79 games back of a 100 and win Braves team. Want to beat the Indians in seven, you know, huge underdogs there. This 97 Marlins team, their offense just isn't there. They ranked in the bottom three in most offenses, offensive categories in the National League. Uh, like I said, they finished nine games back at the Braves. Uh, you know, they take care of business when they get to the playoffs in the World Series. Moises Alou shows up. He has three home runs and nine RBIs. They walked a ton in this series. They're averaging close to five walks a game. Sheffield walked eight times. Uh, I was looking at this. Levon Hernandez won the MVP of the World Series. All because he was 2-0, and yet he had 10 walks, only 8 strikeouts, and over 5 ERA. So I think uh, Moises Salou probably should have won that World Series MVP. But this is a, this is a weird team. I don't, I don't see how they could beat the 2018 Red Sox in a series. I mean, the Marlins just don't really overwhelm you uh, with, with, their, with their offense or, or their pitching staff. But uh, Jim Leland seemed to get this team playing well. And, the playoffs they just seem to get the key hits when they needed them and that's what uh was able to take them to a ship steve this team is they have a little bit of everything they got a great catcher in charles johnson who does it all behind the plate and can swing the bat a little bit yeah uh, the the winner of that game three nlcs was levon hernandez and then levon hernandez was world MVP, or world series mvp because he replaced uh game one starter kevin brown in game five who was a late scratch he had the flu or something i think and i think in that game he had 15 k's and completed the game going on two days rest and that was that game that began with uh, devon white crossing the plate for the first run after making absolutely no effort to get out of the way of a pitch and then uh, ended the game with levine hernandez striking out fred mcgriff on that back door breaking ball that didn't even make it to the back patio and then uh but in the series, they only scored 21 runs to 20s uh, to Atlanta's 20 in the NLCS, and then it took eking out an 11th inning victory against Cleveland. So I think 99 times out of 100, Cinderella doesn't even make it to the ball, and the 18 Sox waltz through this matchup. So sorry, Fish fans, but you're gonna have to use the uh, Red Sox scouts binoculars if you want to uh, find a path to Marlins victory. <laughs> Man, you're on a roll today, Steve. I love it. Throwing dimes dropping dimes you throw darts and dimes i don't know what i'm talking about uh drop dimes like candace bergen the sprint lady <laughs> that is an old ass reference you can clearly tell we're all turning 40 this year i love it all right so bottom line guys 97 marlins 2018 red sox deary what say you i'm gonna go with the uh 18 red sox guile any challenge to that no contest all right i agree I'm going to take the 18 Red Sox. I don't love it. I prefer to take this 97 Marlins team, but these 18 Red Sox are just too good. All right, that takes us up to the next matchup. We've got the controversial 2017 Astros, the Trash Can Masters versus the 1983 steady-as-she-goes Baltimore Orioles. Now, this, this Astros team, we all know the stories. I think we can kind of skip all the trash can shit and just let's talk about the team itself. Deary, tell us about the 2017 Astros as a baseball team. It was really a complete team and a, a culmination of what had been going on over the previous three, four years with a lot of, uh, you know, their, their guys from the farm coming up, uh, Correa, Bregman, uh, Dallas Keuchel has a really nice season for them. 
they acquired Justin Verlander. He goes 5-0 and down the stretch. Uh, offensively, this team was amazing. They had seven players with over 70 RBIs, 11 guys with double-digit home runs. They led the league in runs, doubles, batting average, uh, OPS, uh, OPS major league best by more than 50 points. They won 101 games, beat the Dodgers in seven. Uh, what a really, really solid team, and it's too bad that they're going to be tainted forever because of uh, the whole trash can uh, factor. But this was a really solid team on paper. Obviously, we know what happened uh, with the with the trash can and the banging, and it's pretty much been proven that that helped them a lot. You know, their average was so much better at home than it was on the road. I would have liked to see what this team could have done without using these technolo- technological advantages, but it's a really solid team, but I think this is a really, really difficult matchup with the eighty three Yeah, they hit two eighty two as a team. That's a that's a real nice number. Um Jose Altuve hit three forty six. He was the batting champ, like you said. And this is a team that had a lot of talent anyway. So the cheating just makes it a it makes it annoying for me. I, I want to focus they really had a lot of talent here. They they didn't win 116 games. They still only won 101, which is great, but it's not like they were able to cheat constantly and dominate, but it definitely gave them a, a leg up. I don't want to dismiss that completely. I just think this is a this was a team that should have probably beat the Nats as well. There's such a lot of talent that was homegrown and parts were brought in at the right time, like Zach Grinke and Verlander later on too. This should have been a dynasty, and now it's all screwed up. And with coronavirus going on, the Astros' legacy is is all messed up because when they grew, when they grew this. Uh, seed way back in like 2012 when they started over i was like getting into this team by 2014 i was like i love this team this is the upstart they got a lot of fun talent it it just bums me out guy what do you think of this 2017 astros team i think their pythag was even better than their 101 wins i think it was closer to 110 or something like that and then uh but yeah you can't ignore the the banging scheme of his I love that Chris called it uh, technology, like uh, banging on a trash can is some real bitching technology. <laughs> and yeah, uh, my favorite though is uh, former Dodger Yu Darvish's 80 grade Twitter reply to an Astros fan trolling him with a picture of the World Series trophy. He just says, "Gorgeous trash can, I like it." <laughs> and if you remember, Yuli Gurriel made a racist gesture and epithet, and Rob Manfred allowed him to finish the World Series did not impose a five-game suspension until the beginning of 2018. And then, uh, I mean, game five of seven was over five hours long. We saw the 21st home run in the series in game five, and that set the record for home runs in a World Series. But uh, the Astros, they faced Judge in the ALCS, the Dodgers jury in the championship, but Springer was the executioner. He was one of three players ever to hit four home runs in a World Series. And I'm pretty sure you've probably seen the meme online. But uh, both these World Series teams, uh, the Dodgers and Astros, were among the best and most evenly matched I've ever seen. And both of them played at 34 runs over seven games. So that was – this is one of the best teams I've ever seen, regardless of uh, trash can banging. Yeah, that's a good point about the Yuli Gurriel thing. I had forgotten about that completely, and it's amazing – that would never would have flown if it wasn't the World Series. And even then, it still wasn't acceptable. But I'm just saying that was the only justification that Manfred could have come up with that. But one thing that you just reminded me of with the Darvish tweet is before I ever knew about Trash Can Nightmare, in Game 7 when I watched it, I remember how Darvish got off to that bad start. 
And I was thinking it was the baseball because if you remember, there was pitchers complaining how the baseball, the seams had been lowered and they couldn't get the grip that he wanted to get on this. Do you you remember that? Yeah, it felt slick to them. It it felt slippery. I thought that was the reason. I didn't know anything. I mean, I thought that's why Darvish was going to struggle and he hadn't pitched that well either. So that's just something to throw out there too. I don't think we should – that probably – that wasn't probably. That was a legitimate thing because we've heard other pitchers talk about it. So – Something I just so wanted you remember, to mention. Uh, Jose Altuve sitting on uh, Aroldis' slider when he knew it was coming from the trash can bank. So, yeah, the three-two yes. slider that I guess he just expected to come. <laughs> oh God! It's, it's, like you're, it's like when you're a kid and you're playing like uh, travel baseball, or you're going to play like another school or something like that, and you used to throw in with a leather ball, and all of a sudden they have this like fake plastic or synthetic ball and you just can't get a grip on it slides everywhere yeah. what is this shit guy oh you're a pitcher you know what that's about i totally remember that yeah there were some balls that felt like they were uh like made out of wiffle ball plastic that were <laughs> complete fucking garbage like you just wanted to get the ball and roll it around in the mound for an hour well let's talk about a team that has commanded a lot of respect and a lot of integrity the 1983 baltimore orioles Solid as it gets. They won the ALCS 3-1 over the White Sox that year. That was a young Tony La Russa and his first foray into the playoffs with the Chicago White Sox. And then they beat the Phillies four games to one in the 1983 World Series. They won 98 games. Deary, the 1983 Baltimore Orioles. Do you have a lot of respect for this team or are they overrated? You know, it's interesting. Looking deep into their numbers, the numbers – statistically for each player doesn't really jump off the page, but you also have to remember the era that they were playing in. And that's when we look deeper into kind of the league leaders and some of the stats, which really makes this Orioles team a real special team. You talked about them beating the White Sox. That was a really good White Sox team. The White Sox led the majors in almost every offensive category. Orioles win 98 games, six better than the 92 win Tiger team that ended up winning it the next year. But, uh, Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken, uh, I'm a massive Eddie Murray fan. He was just an incredible player to hit from both sides of the plate. Uh, Ripken's MVP that year. He leads the league in hits, runs, scores, doubles. Their pitching staff, they had six starters win over 10 games. They were kind of going with like a, a six-man rotation. Uh, they led the league in, in home runs, second in the league in, in runs, led the league in OBP, also led the league in ERA, so you're getting a balance from offense to you know, your pitching staff, second fewest walks. And, you know, they had the top first baseman and shortstop in the whole league. Both had top uh, wars in the league with, with Murray and Ripken. They had a winning record in every single month by finishing 20 and 11 September. It's just a really complete team throughout the whole season. And, you know, Ripken and Murray are, are just two legends, two Hall of Famers. Ripken's, I, I believe Ripken, that was his second year in the league. Uh, Murray had been with the Orioles for about four or five years now, so he's starting to get into his prime. Really, really good team, uh, this 83 Orioles. Uh, like you said, they, they take care of the Phillies in six. And uh, this is a great matchup because thinking back, like, obviously the Orioles numbers, like I said, don't pop out at you, but they were one of the best teams of the 80s in 1983. Boy, what a matchup this would be against the, the bangers of uh, the 17 Astros. I totally agree. I love this team. It's the last team that won a title for the city of Baltimore in terms of baseball. They're very similar to me, like the Tigers. They're similar to the Tigers just because they both won 83-84. It's the same era. They're the last championship team for each franchise. 
And they had different styles, though. That's where the similarities really end. But I just kind of remember them in that time frame. Scott McGregor was the leader of the staff, but they had a good staff. Storm Davis, one of the great names of baseball in our lifetime. He was 21 years old. He pitches 200 innings, goes 13 and 7 with a 360 ERA. And lastly, Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken was a freak at this time because all the shortstops, they could not hit home runs and show power and have the size that he had. We have been spoiled since the Royd era with shortstops with bloated numbers and guys who have become athletes in that position who weren't always put there, supposedly. So I think Cal Ripken needs to be framed in 1983 as he's the MVP. He won the American League Most Valuable Player, and he deserved it. Guile, wasn't Cal Ripken a unique treasure in this time frame? Oh yes, and for many years to come, I mean, this is the, all of the '80s, he was he was setting the uh, the, the highest bar possible for shortstop. And do you think uh, like a prospect like O'Neill Cruz, like a six-seven shortstop prospect, gets any run at shortstop without Cal Ripken coming before him? Uh, so yeah, he's AL MVP, fucking steady Eddie finished second in the voting. So you got your number one and two players in the entire American League right there. And then you got uh, Tipper Gore and Clarence Boddicker leading the uh, pitching staff. <laughs> yeah, wait. I'm getting word that it was uh, Tippy Martinez and Mike Boddicker. So I know Tippy is not responsible for the parental advisory explicit lyric CDs that ruined your fucking childhood. <laughs> As an Oriole, I'm pretty sure Mike Boddicker never said, Ooh, guns, guns, guns. Come on, Sal. The Tigers are playing. Tonight, never miss a game. And uh, 1983 was Denny Martinez's age 29 season. And you listeners remember him because he pitched all the way until 1998. I think he was like 47. <laughs> and Jim Palmer was still hanging around in this team at age 37. So, like, you got a bunch of Iron Men here, but there was the Iron Man war machine, the Terrence Howard, the Don Cheadle, the Cal Ripken, 96 career war. I mean, guess how many games he played in 1983? That's rhetorical. Shut up. <laughs> This team is as resilient as they come, and I hope they somehow knock off the Broadway Strohs. And I call them the Broadway Strohs because you ever seen Stomp? It's pretty much the same thing. It's all trash cans. Goes. Love it. <laughs> stomp. Wow, we got a Stomp reference. That's genius. I can't believe Stomp has not been thrown into the Astro scandal. Great call. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't know Dennis Miller was joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah minus the uh post you know when dennis miller actually was funny i gotta tell you this is a tough matchup but to me it's a no-brainer i know where i would go i'll go with the orioles in this deary what do you think i take the orioles as well i mean look just looking at guys that came out of their bullpen they had like like steve talked about tp martinez sammy stewart both those guys won nine games out of the bullpen both pitched over 100 innings i mean so the, you know stud bullpen you know, he talked about Jim Palmer, you know, going five and four, 4.23 ERA. And he's like their seventh starter that year. So, I mean, it's not just Murray and Ripken, a great pitching staff. And, you know, guys like Gary Renicky played in 115 games. He had 64 RBIs. So that's a guy who played part-time and would still be able to knock runs in and hit for a good average at 19 home runs. So this is a really, really solid team. And, you know, when you got the best shortstop of the 80s, transcendental, tra transcendental fucking player like Cal Ripken, uh, that's that's a tough team to beat. So I, I take the 83 Orioles here. Uh, minus the, the trash banging. I, I think this was just a special team that could uh, take down the Astros. 
Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I agree with you. Guile, uh, are you going to go with the Astros or do you think the Orioles are the team? Uh, this is hard because of the, uh, the, the extreme difference in the eras. So we're talking about a 2017 team, the 1983 team, and the, the 2017 team is just finer tuned. Uh, I, I think they're too, too loaded with weapons uh, and, you know, the replay booth. If, all right, so we'll get rid of the replay booth in this scenario. And, uh, yeah, give me the O's, man. Fuck the Astros. One final note on the Orioles. Earl Weaver retired this this season before this, after the 1982 season, and Joe Altabelli took over, and they won the World Series. Earl Weaver would have won. Um, I would like to think he would have won another World Series. But what's crazy, Earl Weaver has a career 583 winning percentage, which is amazing, and he won 100 games five times with the Orioles, five times. And he never had less than a 90-win season more than twice. It, it's incredible in terms of full season play, it was, I just think Earl Weaver deserves a lot of credit and he was a really good manager. He is in the hall of fame, so he got his due, but I just wanted to point that out. Okay. So let's move into the next matchup. It's a California showdown. It's the 2002 angels, the number three seed on the lower half of this upper right bracket versus the 2012 giants. Pablo Sandoval, the team that smoked the Tigers, made Justin Verlander look like he was just an amateur when he was really at the height of his powers or what we thought was the height of his powers. He should have been. Ugh, I don't want to get started on this. All right, Deary, let's hear it. Let's uh, talk first about the 2002 Anaheim Angels. Now they're called Los Angeles. You know, who cares? They were the Anaheim Angels back then. Yeah, so it's very rare that you have a 99-win team that doesn't win their division. So they didn't win the division in 2002. They finished second in the AL West, take down the Yankees in the division series, then the, the twins in the championship series, and then a real nice series against the Giants, who I thought was the favorite in that series with, uh, you know, Bonds getting to basically, Bonds is at his peak of Royden now. But this Angels team was just super resilient. They may have had the best outfield in the majors. Garrett Anderson, Darren Erstad, and Tim Salmon. All these guys were just just mashers, just getting on base. They had the best fielding percentage in the American League. Uh, Troy Gloss, uh, David Eckstein was a really scrappy player, batting almost 300 for them. Uh, Scott Spezio is a guy that just really showed up in the playoffs, and he had a nice 80, 82 RBI season as well. Uh, this is just a really resilient team. I mean, looking at their pitching staff, Jared Washburn. Remember Jared Washburn? 18-6 and six with a 3.15 ERA. He was really good. Kevin Apier in the you know twilight of his career, he's 34. He guts out 200 innings. Uh, a young John Lackey goes nine and four, the 3.66 ERA. And Troy Percival was an absolute stud out of the bullpen then. Four and one, 1.92 ERA, 40 saves. This is a really solid team. I love I love their lineup. You know, just going through there. But you got uh, Benji Molina is your catcher there. Uh, like I said, Spezio, Kennedy, and Eckstein. But you know. The real heart of this team was was Gloss, Anderson, Salmon, and Erstad. Those four guys all just put up really, really nice seasons. Uh, Gloss and Anderson both had uh, over 100 uh, RBIs for the season. Uh, Garrett Anderson's a guy that just really showed out for like a whole decade. Just a really, really nice player. And uh, it was good to see him get a championship. So this this is a good squad. I thought they they beat some real giants in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they uh, – they were really good. This was a good good team. 99 wins. I think they were uh, 
kind of ranked or, or seated perfectly in this uh, in this bracket. Uh, they're not getting any love right now. Apparently, they're losing this matchup. So we'll see if some uh, some boys from California can come out and uh, vote for them this week. So a couple of things. The team that they finished running up to was the Moneyball A's, who won the 20 games in a row. They won 103 games. That's why they had to be the wild card. And then also this was the team that gave us the infamous Rally Monkey. Remember the Rally Monkey? This was that team, which is, uh, was pretty annoying back then. I remember that. I already hated it Like after the first day it happened. But uh, this was a team that... Uh, they came down from a 3-2 deficit in the series to beat the Giants. Do you think, Guile, that this team deserves more love? Are they, or did Mike Sosha just kind of build his career off this one title that they maybe didn't really deserve to win? What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, Sosha definitely built his career off this one title. Uh, there's no way he should have lasted in uh, Anaheim that long. But uh, what this team brings to mind to me is the uh, – you remember – Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball for Game Boy Advance, playing that in Cedar Village at Michigan State. I do. So, yeah, and I, I, uh, we loved that game, and that was that was the year of the this uh, Angels-Giants rivalry. And I texted you last year on, uh, if you go back through your phone, September 26th, Garrett Anderson was on uh, the broadcast. His favorite hitters were uh, Straw and George Brett. Uh, but when he saw Junior Griffey for the first time, he tried to emulate his swing. It was the first time he tried to change his swing since he got to the majors, which brought the video game full circle for me. I was like, oh, shit, everyone loves Junior. But after failing to replicate his swing, he went back to what he focused on the most and never altered his approach again. So his approach was to aim for the bottom right of the baseball in order to generate backspin. And by aiming for that spot, he never had to raise his swing plane to modify his launching angle. And uh, he also hatched a lot of first-pitch fastballs. Uh, 50 of his 287 career homers came from ambushing first-pitch heaters. And uh, previous podcasts mentioned Messrs. Andy Pettit and Jamie Moyer couldn't get him out because they were incapable of running in a pitch on his hands. And like my Eric Davis always said, if you can't reach out and snag a strike with your lead hand, then you're standing too close or too far from the ditch. And then you got, like Gary said, Percy and the scoring the runs for the Olympians, whatever, sealed the deal. Great team. Interesting analysis. Going back deep, learning about Garrett Anderson and his hitting style and his hitting philosophy. I love it. That's fantastic. But it always comes back to Eric Davis. (laughs) I was looking last night, maybe I'll share this with you guys next week, is uh, guys that had like five or six-year runs that if they could have done that three more times could have been Hall of Fame players. And Garrett Anderson's on that list of the guy that uh, was up there. There's, there's probably seven or eight other guys that put on there. Maybe I'll share that list with you guys next week. Uh, and it just goes to show you, you got to put in a full year of 12 to 15 years if you want to get into the Hall. Uh, some of these guys only did it for like six, seven years. Uh, obviously, he played for a long time, but he had a, like a five, six-year stretch where he was you know, one of the best outfielders in the league. And we'll be talking about Dave Stewart later, who's another one of those guys who could appear on that list. Good call. Great information, guys. These guys are on a roll. Remember, though, this is on the Palazzo podcast, and it's on Twitter. Vote for this team. You like this Angels team? Vote for them right now at Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Now, on the other side of this matchup is another California team from the Bay Area, another Giants team, the 2012 edition, who smoked the Tigers, as I say. I can't get over it. They swept him. That was ceremoniously a huge bummer. It was a giant ceremony of just bummers to me. 
But this Giants team deserves the credit. They won 94 games. They actually finished first. It was not a wild card team. And they edged out the Reds, which is something Guile's going to talk about shortly. That series was a huge bummer. They they should not have won that series. But we'll get to that. Deary, this 2012 Giants team was the second winner in a series of three. Is this the best version of the three? Uh, I don't think any of the three are that great. Uh, This is a really, really perplexing team to me. They were last in the major leagues in home runs. I mean, if you were to tell me in 2012, you know, we're in the height of guys just bashing home runs, that a team would finish last in the league in home runs and win a World Series. Buster Posey has the best season of his career. Bats 336, 24 home runs, 103 RBIs. The second most RBIs on this team was Pablo Sandoval with 63. So obviously it wasn't they weren't getting it done with their with their hitting at all. They also played terrible defense. They committed committed the fourth most errors in the major league. They left the most guys on base. Obviously, when they get to the World Series, they shut out the Tigers twice, which is just one of the biggest letdowns I had ever seen. So, so how does this team win a series? It's just an overall pitching staff. They had real nice starting pitch, starting pitcher strength. Five starting pitching pitchers had over 10 wins. They had a really excellent bullpen. They had five relief pitchers combined for 52 wins. They had really clutch hitting when they got to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Bruce Bochy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for these three, just these three World Series alone, because these were not the most incredible teams, but they were able to win in a different kind of way during an era where it was, it was an era of guys just bashing it out of the park. And, you know, he was able to piece together a really different type of squad and, uh, you know, they went through a crazy playoff, and then by the time they get to the series, they, they take care of a, a Tigers team, which I thought this was the best Tigers team, and they just absolutely fell on their face as Pablo Sandoval just kept hitting home run after home run, and uh, the Giants take the series. Yeah, man. This team was able to beat up on the Rockies and the Padres going to combine 26-10 and 10 in the division, so that helped a bit. But – there was no other team. I mean, they went 8-1 and one against the Astros team that was rebuilding. That helped, too. So I'm just trying to figure out how they won 94 games. I'm with you, Deary. It's pretty wild because I thought the defense was their specialty, but you telling us that their defense wasn't that great is a real mind. It's yeah, an eye-opener. In the major league, guys. I was digging deeper onto that, and I was like, man. Because I thought that was going to be another reason that they played so well and finished at the top of the league is I was like, oh, they must have played an incredible defense behind a really good solid pitching staff but that wasn't the case at all totally agree that, that what a that's a eye-opening stat thank you so steve let's get to it man this giants team should not have beat that reds team and they barely beat the cardinals team 4-3 the fact that they swept the tigers 4-0 after they struggled in two series was such a shock that's what makes this even worse to me tell us about that nlds where they were up they were down 2-0 to the reds and somehow they won 3-2 uh, do I have to talk about it? It was hell. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, this is like me saying Kung Fu Panda to you or Rally Monkey. I, I, don't, I can't. But this was the first National League squad since 1990 Reds to sweep the AL contender in the World Series. And ironically, it was a down year for the anti-giant Lion Rayburn, who only had good years in odd number games. But somehow he was on this team. And uh, do you remember how insurmountable Bonds was? Barry Bonds, 2001, hits 73 home runs. The 2012 Giants starting lineup, 73 home runs. That's how bad <laughs> it is. The 2002 Giants were better than this, Jamie. 
but yeah, the, you're right. The, the pitching carried them. Uh, this was the year that Tim Lincecum passed the torch to Mad Bum, and I guess he and Wade Boggs are off riding horses into the sunset together now. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, uh, bottom line, Jerry, who are you going with, the 2012 Giants or the 2002 Angels? I'm going to go with the Angels. Booyah. Steve Guile, who you got? Of course, the Angels. Yeah, no way in hell you're taking the Giants. That NLDS was so painful. I remember being pissed. Buster Posey, was a, he became alive. He was a monster in that comeback. That was a – I'm not trying to, you know, stab it even deeper. I'm not trying to dig into the wound. I just remember how surprising that was. I'm going with the Reds. Killers, the Giants. Probably fifth names in the Marlins, too. Like, we got Salmon, we got Trout. Did, did Kevin Bass take a turn there? Or? <laughs> Steve Trout. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not going with the Giants. I'm going with the uh, Angels myself. I thought the Angels were a fun team. I thought the Giants of 2002 should have actually beat them in that series. But, hey, they uh, had K-Rod coming up, and it was a fun team to watch. I'll give them credit for that. All right, so the last matchup of this part of the bracket, it's a team that just advanced by beating the 2006 Cardinals, the 08 Phillies and the 92 Blue Jays. We're talking the 2008 Phillies, a team that was a winner of built in progress, won a title in 08, but then got back the next year, couldn't beat the Yankees. And then they kind of just scratched and clawed at first round playoff efforts or NLCSs and could not get back to the World Series, despite adding Cliff Lee in later years and things of that nature. Deary, this, this 2008 Phillies team, had a ton of offense with uh, Ryan Howard and company. What do you think of this team? Yeah, looking at their offense, every single guy in their offense is in their prime. Just looking at their ages, 29, 28, 29, 29, 27, 29, 31, 33. So Ryan Howard puts together an incredible season, 48 home runs, 146 RBIs. Chase Utley's in his prime, goes 3,100. Jimmy Rollins is, is – you know, he's 29 at that point. He has a really nice season. Steals 47 bases for the Phillies, you know, all-time Phillies hit leader. Pat Burrell's hanging on at 31, and he puts up a nice season, 33 home runs. Jason Wirth puts up 24 home runs. Every single guy in this lineup could bash. Shane Victorino has 102 runs. Carlos Ruiz behind the plate, you know, didn't give you terribly too much offensively, but, you know, a really excellent defender for them. Uh, some nice guys off the bench, Dobbs and Jenkins. And then, you know, they were able to piece it together with this pitching staff. Cole Hamels goes 14 and 10. Jamie Moyer at 45 years old. I talked about this last week, went 16 and 7. Uh, you know, can you imagine being 47 years old and still being able to pitch against guys that are 25, 26 years old? This guy just, you know, that just breakaway changeup that he had that nobody could touch. Uh it's a team that I was really looking forward to them playing the defending champion Red Sox in the World Series that year, but the Rays go on this amazing run, beat the Red Sox in seven. The Phillies end up playing the Rays. I actually don't even remember watching this series just because I knew that the Phillies would dominate, and they did. They took care of the Rays in five games. This is a really good Phillies team. You know, they're in the midst of their dynasty, and uh, it, it's interesting that they weren't able to win more than just one. Uh, you know, they made back-to-back -back series. This is a really solid team, better than the 80s Phillies. 80 Phillies team, I believe. Wow. Well, the 80, 80s Phillies are scrappy. This team is a powerhouse. Chase Utley is a always a clutch performer. He obviously will be forever known for altering the sliding at second base rule. He changed that forever. That was a part of baseball for 100 years. Um, yeah. 
The Phillies beat the Brewers in the NLDS easily, and they rolled over the Dodgers. The Brewers had – that was the year they acquired CeCe Sabathia, and he went 11-2 and two and had like a stupid ERA, and they got into the playoffs. But the Phillies went 11-3 and three combined in the playoffs. It's very impressive. I mean, they rolled, and this was a team that really should have done more. Guile, do you think the – do you think this 2008 Phillies team – should have won more titles or is this maybe just about what they were a really good team that was not a dynasty no i'll give them dynasty cred and also am i hearing from two detroiters thumbs down for utley <laughs> mike utley tribute we love you mike utley <laughs> but yeah uh, charlie manuel endured a heart attack and so much gastrointestinal hell he secreted like a john denzer poop bag into the cleveland dugout Colossus to me, colossus to you. What's a fugazi? Anyway, if you thought that was disturbing, Charlie did not attend his mother's funeral during the 2008 NLCS, but he did win the National League's best FUPA for eight years running until Ryan Sanders. <laughs> after he went like below 500. So, yeah. Crazy team. Uh, uh, yeah, I, like Ryan Howard... Maybe another one of those guys. Uh, if he can string together a few more years, uh, we get we get him on the list with Dave Stewart. And man, a lot of real solid talent here. This, is a, this was a well constructed team. You had Jeff Jenkins coming off the bench for them. the uh, baseball's Brett Favre. It was weird that they they lived in the same city and looked exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the 08 Phillies, uh, a solid team, no complaints there. They, however, had to go up against the 1992 Blue Jays. Guys, this is a fun team. Jack Morris is coming around for another go after his World Series run to the Twins. He comes on over to the Blue Jays, and he wins a World Series, which is fun. He still had the mustache, so that makes it even better. This 92 Blue Jays team was finally a team that broke through. In the 80s, they had had a lot of success getting to the ALCS. Uh, they won a lot of games in the 80s, but they couldn't get over the hump. They tried Bobby Cox. They tried Jimmy Williams as managers. It didn't work out. Cito Gaston takes over, and they finally break through. Deary, this 92 Blue Jays team, I know you're going to tell us later that the 93 team was even better, but what's your respect level for this 92 Blue Jays team? Still a really, really good team. I mean, they, they win 96 games, take care of, uh, you know, the – the Braves in the series, four games to two. They, they beat the A's in the ALCS handily in six. You talked about Jack Morris coming over from the championship twins. Don't forget Dave Winfield. They got Dave Winfield, 40 years old, dh for them. He puts up 26 home runs and 108 RBIs. Joe Carter is, you know, 32 at this point. He hits the amazing uh, you know, walk-off the next year against the Phillies, but yeah, he puts up a, a great season, 119 RBIs. Uh, you got Roberto Alomar and John Olerud in the start of their career. Alomar steals 49 bases, bats 310. You know, really, really nice offense. So you know, you got the car, you got Carter, you got Winfield, you got Alomar. Uh, Devon White steals 37 bases for them. They go 21 and nine over their last 30. You know, super solid offense that's that's well balanced. Uh, their starting pitching staff doesn't blow you away. They're kind of middle of the pack in most of the statistics. But defensively, they're incredible. They had the second fewest errors in the major league. So, uh, you know, this is a nice Blue Jays team that starts off, you know, 
the, the kind of mini dynasty that they have, it's too bad they kind of get screwed out, out uh, a few years later with the strike going on because they still had a pretty solid team. But, I mean, they were young. I mean, just looking at this pitching staff, uh, you know, Juan Guzman goes 16-5 and five with a 2.64 ERA. He, he's a guy that for about three years was just an incredible pitcher. Dave, uh, Dave Steve is still on this team at 34. He was there during the, their little run in the 80s. Uh, Todd Stoudemire, and a really, really good bullpen. Tom Hankey, those stupid glasses. I was always confused how this guy was a Major League Baseball player. Uh, he had 34 saves. And a guy like Dwayne Ward, 1.95 ERA with a, over 100 innings, really, really good. David Wells coming out of the bullpen for 120 innings. You know, he got some spot starts there too. This is a really good team. I think the 93 team's better, but this is a solid team, and I think this is a good matchup against the Phillies. Totally agree. I love this team, but I love the matchup too. One thing that changed this, Pat Gillick built this team in the 80s, and then he got to stick around and finally see him win back-to-back titles in the 90s as the GM. But he also made a big move getting Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter for Fred McGriff. That was a deal they made in the early 90s. I think it was before this season, if I'm off the top of my head. I don't, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty confident that's correct. This is a fun team, the Blue Jays. I love the Blue Jays uniforms. I love their logos. I just love everything about this team. They're in Canada. I love Canada. My girlfriend's Canadian. It's not because of that. It's just because uh, Canada's a great place. They do things right, and they're they're good people. So it's good to see them being known for more than just hockey in the sports world. And this team deserves all the credit, in my opinion. It's going to be hard to talk me out of taking them over the 08 Phillies. Guile, would you take this team immediately? Or what do you think? Do you think that this is a, a good matchup? Or is this Blue Jays team legit? Well, of course it is. Uh, well, first of all, I can't get my mind off like Tom Hankey's sexy specs. But him and Sabo, oh, wow. But, yeah, th- this team's totally legit. I'm glad uh, it's a Blue Jays-Phillies matchup, just like it was. Uh, and, yeah, Jerry mentioned Dave Winfield's age 40 season. Like, I hurt my back reaching for uh, my phone charger the other day from sitting on ass during quarantine. <laughs> and this motherfucking aging legend is doubling down the line, leading to that unforgettable scene where Devon White is waving Roberto Alomar home, and you see that, like, over-the-shoulder, like, dear sister from SNL shot of uh, Charlie Liebrandt, and he's making it, like, doer coach K face. It's like, I want to talk to the manager of this Cole's department store right now. Like, <laughs> someone get that fucker a Keystone Light. <laughs> Keystone Light. Bitter beer face. Bitter uh, beer. All right. So Dave Winfield was 40 years old. He was a could have been a football star. He was a great athlete, and he's a deserved Hall of Famer. That's a good call. Bottom line, Deary, who are you taking? The 2008 Phillies or the 92 Jays? This one's really tough. I, I mean, it's two lineups that – the three, four, and fives for each lineup are just going to bash the ball. I think the Phillies may be a little deeper with the offense. Both bullpens are lights out here. This is maybe one of the closest matchups we have in this bracket. Oh, I'm going to go with the 08 Phillies. Wow. I like it. We got a little dissension here. Kyle, what about you? I'm going with the Jays. Yeah, I think you know where I stand on this already. It was It was tough for me to pull away from this Jays team. Their first World Series champion. I love it. It came a long way from Exhibition Stadium to the Sky Dome, not to Rogers Center. It's the Sky Dome. Uh, 
That's a tough and call. I was Jeff Camp. <laughs> yeah, young Jim Camp. Deary, I respect your choice. That 08 Phillies team's legit, but uh, I'm going to go with the Jays in that one. But we'll see how this voting goes. The It's a little closer than I thought it would be, but the the Jays are still holding serve on our online voting. And remember, that's at Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Okay, we are halfway home on this one, folks. We are on the bottom half of this bracket, the final part of round two. We got four more matchups. Who's going to win it? Who's the better team? What kooky observation are we going to get next? Can't wait to find out. Let's dive in. It's the 1989 Oakland Athletics, the number one seed in this bracket area, this region, if you will, versus <laughs> the 2014 Giants. More Giants teams again. It's like the Yankees. They're everywhere. The Giants beat the 82 Cardinals in round one, and now they're back. This is the last World Series champion the Giants have had in recent times. They beat the Royals in a really good series. Chris Deary, let's hear first about the Oakland A's. The 1989 Oakland Athletics, a team that had so much talent. Tell us about this team, dude. You know, one of the best dynasties to only win one World Series. They were just crushers for four or five years and unfortunately could only pull one series victory. That's this 89 series where they sweep the Giants. Uh, everybody remembers the earthquake that happens. The Bay Bridge falls apart. You know, looking back into this team, I completely forgot. Jose Canseco misses 100 games for the, the A's. Their offense is not as lights out as I thought it was. Uh, obviously, they trade to get Ricky Henderson back. They get him from the Yankees midseason, so he's back into the fold. Uh, the team had the best war in the league. I think the difference on why this team was so damn good, and they probably could have won 110 games if they were healthy all season, this pitching staff was incredible. They had four starting pitchers that had 17 or more wins. Dennis Eckersley is obviously in his prime of being a closer, absolutely lights out. They had the best ERA in the American League, the most saves. Dave Stewart, like we've talked about him a ton on this pod already today, goes 21-9. and nine. Uh, Mike Moore, 19-11 with a 2.61 ERA. Bob Welch and Storm Davis win 17 and 19 games respectively. And, you know, the rest of that bullpen around Eckersley was really good, too. Gene Nelson and Todd Burns, these guys, you know, pitched a ton of innings and just held it down. So, you know, everybody talks about the Bash brothers of, you know, McGuire and Canseco. You know, they got Dave Henderson there and Dave Parker. Uh, Dave Parker puts up 97 RBIs in a 38-year-old uh, season with 22 home runs. I mean, incredible team. Just Carney Lansford steals 37 bases for them. Uh, this is probably the most lopsided matchup of this tournament. Uh, on paper, this A's team can match up with maybe anybody in in this tournament, and offensive and defensively. And I think if if they were to play the Giants in a seven game series, this fourteen Giants, they would they would easily sweep them. Yeah, we created a Bay series here again with the. Oakland A's taking on the 2014 Giants. Unfortunately, the 89 series was mired by the earthquake. It was a legendary moment because it was a World Series and it just so happened to coincide with the awful earthquake. And it kind of made the World Series seem less important. And I wonder what would have happened if things had been different. Well, we'll never really know. But in our bracket, there is no earthquakes. We can just live in a fantasy land and see this Oakland A's team go head to head against this 2014 Giants team. This A's team was 
a solid team. They, and they had just reacquired Ricky Henderson. He was back with them in 89 when the Yankees traded him to the A's in June of that year. So that was a huge boost for them because they needed the offense, believe it or not, with Jose Canseco being out. And I wonder if things would have been different if Ricky had been on the 88 team when they lost to the Dodgers in that series. Who knows? I mean, we could start playing that game. But Ricky Henderson was a huge boost for this team. And Sandy Alderson deserves a lot of credit as the architect of this team. This is what really cemented his name in baseball as a great GM. Guile, do the Oakland Athletics, do they really deserve our praise in this matchup? Or is this a fraudulent team? Because if you look at their offense, it's actually a lot worse this year than it was in other years. Right. So on paper, the offense doesn't look that great. And I've said earlier, this is not my favorite or the one of the A's teams from this era that I think is the best. But uh, like we said before, due to the earthquake, you got to trot out game one and two starters for game three and four because there's a what is a 10-day delay. And those game one and two starters were Dave Stewart and Mike Moore, and they won 40 games between them. But also, like Gary said, they had two starters backing them up. So I think they win this series either way. Earthquake or no, this is a legit team. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, beginning at age 30, Dave Stewart just popped onto the map with a 20-game, 20 uh, 20-win season. And then he did the same thing, 20 wins for four consecutive seasons and only ever went to one All-Star game his whole career. It's a travesty. And then uh, I think this is – remember, like, my 89 tops, and there was, like, the memorial for, like, A. Bartlett Giamatti, and I just was picturing Paul Giamatti being miffed about the earthquake delay, like, God damn it! Everything's gone sideways! <laughs> He's plugging his movie in 1989. Somehow also sounds like that. But yeah, I, I love this team. I loved all these A's teams. I secretly kind of liked them when, uh, you know, I was watching the Reds play them in 1990. I was like, oh, they're kind of cool too, but I still wanted them to lose. Yeah, Paul Giamatti was bitching at Yale. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Doing that face he makes, that like incredulous face he does so well. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 2014, 2014 Giants, 88 wins. Jerry, this team only won 88 games. They were a wild card. They had to beat the Pirates in the now one-game wild card, which is standard in Major League Baseball. This was a newer experience. And then they had to win three more series to be World Series champions. We all know about the Madison Bumgarner World Series run, and really his whole playoff run was its legendary. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on the pod. What else can you tell us about this 2014 Giants team? Uh, you know, these Giants teams frustrate me. Um, they win 88 games, second in the NL West. You know, they take care of the Royals in seven and have a gross World Series. This is similar to the 12 team. You know, Buster Posey puts out a, a really good season. They get a little more support offensively. Hunter Pence, you know, puts up 20 home runs. Mike Morris, either strikeout or home run for him. You know, Brandon Crawford, you know, starts coming in, in, into his own. Uh, you know, he has a really good uh, stretch down the road. Uh, you know, Brandon Belts in his kind of first year. Joe Panic. So they got, they got some young guys there. Obviously, it was all about their pitching staff and how they put it together in the playoffs. Uh, Bumgarner in his age 24 season with an ERA under three. 
uh, Ryan Vogel song comes out of nowhere and he, you know, he did it in 12 and he did it in 14 where he just, you know, eats up innings for them. Uh, you know, Lincecum was okay, I guess. None of these ERAs blow you out of the water. Uh, the bullpen, the ERAs weren't that great. It's just one of those teams where, you know, they were able to do enough to get into the playoffs in a kind of down year within their division. And then once they get to the playoffs, like I said, Bruce Bochy, like this guy's a Hall of Famer because he was able to piece together a team that wasn't that great and take them all the way to a championship. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bashing him here, but, you know, you got to win a wild card game. You got to beat the Nats in a division series. That Nats team, I believe, won close to 100 games. And they take care of the Cardinals easily in the NLCS. And then they, they take care of the Royals. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament. You just go on a run once you get in. and. Uh, that's how you take care of business, and that was their uh, third championship there. Yeah, Madison Gumgar Gumbarmer, Madison Gumbarner, oh, <laughs> Mad Bum pitched a sensational wild card game to get them into the NLDS, going nine innings, ten Ks, one walk. They shut out the Pirates eight nothing because Madison Bumgarner versus Edison Volquez is not a good matchup. Uh, I think in hindsight, the Pirates would wish they had a better starter to put on the mound that day, but hey, that's how it goes. Steven, these 2014 Giants are scrappy, and it's the final installment of three titles in even years. Is there anything fun about this team? Yeah, it's another boring Giants team that won in an even number year. So, like, Gregor Blanco's leadoff home run in game two of a seven-game series was the last home run the Giants hit in that series. <laughs> this team was all mad bum. And somehow, also, Jeremy Affelt, he had 22 consecutive scoreless, scoreless appearances through the three Giants postseason. Only the Sandman ever beat him for consecutive scoreless appearances. Only Mo. But uh, like I said before, the A's had starters beyond Smoke Stewart and Mike Moore, and they had to act to close the door. So, yeah, they, yeah, they smoked the Giants like Dave Stewart. Throw that splitter. Did he yeah, call I the Fork balls? But yeah, I was watching the 80 uh, Tigers when Jack Morris was pitching and the, the announcer called the fork ball. That looks like the fork ball there. It's like, oh, man, I've heard fork ball in forever. Making me ball, hungry. Mmm, fork ball, you hungry? I got to <laughs> tell you, this one seems like a solid choice. Uh, Ed, Deary, are you going against the A's or no? Nope. Guile? No, I'm taking the A's. Way more fun. Yeah. It's obvious. We're all going with the A's. No more Giants teams, hopefully, to discuss. I think it's finally over. So our next matchup brings us to another Blue Jays team. It's the 93 edition. Now we get to finally hear from Deary on his big tease from the beginning of the show. <laughs> the 93 Blue Jays versus the 2015 Royals, an underrated team, a team that had gone to their second straight World Series to win the World Series. Let's hear it, Deary. we all been waiting for this. The 93 Blue Jays, why are they better than the 92 Blue Jays? So it's it's not that they're so much better than the 92 Blue Jays. I think I just like this team better. Uh, they had four starters in their lineup that had over 300 batting average. John Olerud, Paul Molitor, Robbie Alomar, and Tony Fernandez. You know, you put Molitor and Tony Fernandez in that lineup, oh, man, Tony Fernandez has a really, really nice season. And Paul Molitor is one of my favorite players of all time and also one of the most underrated players of all time joe carter puts up another great season 33 home runs they steal a ton of bases ricky henderson is also ratting around on this team as well 
Uh, Pat Henkin has a nice season. Uh, second in the American League in, in uh, runs. And then you you get into the 93 series where they go up against a really nice Phillies team. Kurt Schilling at, you know, the kind of, you know, come up of him starting to become really good. Paul Molitor bets 500 in the series. Roberto Alomar bets 480. Uh, the Jays average eight runs a game. They win game four, 15 to 14. And then they, they conclude in game six with the legendary walk off to left field by Joe Carter. Uh, I remember this team more than the 92 team. For some reasons, I, I think I paid attention to that playoff a lot more of this team. But, yeah, this is a super, super good team. Like I said, Paul Molitor, this guy right here. Woo-hoo. There he is. Yeah, very good. <laughs> I think he wasn't as good a manager. Cards, uh, so uh, I brought out my Molitor sheet for you guys. Wow, that is fantastic. Good call, Deary. The 93 Blue Jays won 95 games. They obviously won the World Series over the Phillies with the Joe Carter walk-off. We've all seen it 80,000 times. Mitch Williams falling down on the mound as the last home run to win a World Series was in 1993. What a proud moment. And that trade I mentioned earlier for the 92 team, Fred McGriff going to the Padres. That was also Tony Fernandez that left in that trade. I wish Tony Fernandez would have won with this team because he was a part of the 80s teams, and I, I miss that, but... Pat Gillick knew that he had John Olerud, as you mentioned, Deary. John Olerud became an excellent uh, first baseman. 363 average that one year. I remember that. That was crazy. Yeah. And this team was only shut out once the whole season in 162 games. That's, I think that's pretty incredible. And they were also the first back-to-back champs since the 77-78 Yankees. So they deserve credit for that. Listen to this. John, John Olerud walks 114 times and strikes out 65 times incredible that is an woo that is a hot stat right there that one's on fire baby don't touch it don't touch it woo steve you gotta love that right this blue jays team's fire oh yeah it's hot shit you got dave dave stewart ricky henderson getting another ring we just talked about them and if you don't think joe carter's walk-off still resonates i mean in in 2011 fucking the dude dykstra goes on like Infowars or something starts talking to alec jones like calls out mitch williams <laughs> then they get in a fight at like a baseball card shop later. <laughs> like Drake's got a track called Back to Back that this is uh, Meek Mill from Philly. <laughs> it's got like Joe Carter on the track cover. And then uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget like reading like, uh, Mitch Williams in the New York Times like, you know, I'm not going to go home and commit suicide or anything. <laughs> like, but yeah, so anyway, what do you think is the Phil's biggest beef from this uh, this whole scenario? Is it is it Wild Thing versus Nails Dykstra? Is it uh, Drake and Meek Mill? Or is, uh, I guess, John Cruck is probably the Philly's biggest beef boy. Put that on a Twitter poll. That's a great Twitter poll. Yeah, we'll have to definitely do that. Beefy beefy Philly players. Was Pete and Cavillia on the Phillies at one time? Pete and Cavillia? Yeah. Yeah. I don't Stinky. know if he's on this Oh, man. Yeah, these Phillies teams were – that was a nasty team. A lot of bad things happening in that locker room, I assume, and at bars, and terrible things probably happened to people that I feel really bad about. But I don't want to think about that. I want to think about the other half of this, the 2015 Kansas City Royals. I'm telling you, this team, they may not have been uh, the most exciting team for some people, and especially in our area as Tigers people, me and Deary, the Royals stole the thunder – 
and really it made me bitter like winning world series 2015 when the tigers could not get it done really hurt but i still liked watching this team play they uh, had really 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 clutch hitting i think that really needs to be stated eric hosmer seemed to be the guy who could always get a clutch hit and that's probably how he parlayed the contract he did with the padres deary i know that this team is leaves a bitter taste in your mouth as a tigers fan but what do you think of them (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. All these Tiger teams for these past 10 years that were so good, and it's the fucking Royals that make back-to-back World Series and were able to, uh, you know, win a series. They didn't knock the ball out of the park at all. wasn't a powerful team, but they were second in the major leagues in batting average. You know, defensively, really, really good with Hosmer, Moustakis over at third. I mean, these guys were just consistent players. Kendry's Morales, you know, he has a really nice season as DH. He's the only guy that had over 100 RBIs. Um, the offense doesn't blow you away, but it was just – it was solid enough, and they had super clutch hitting. What made this team so damn good was not their starting pitching staff, but their relief pitching was just ridiculous. Ryan Madsen, Wade Davis, Kelvin Herrera, and Greg Holland, those four guys – you know, 63 innings, 67 innings. Franklin Morales goes for 62 innings. All these guys were getting 60 to 70 innings out of the bullpen for a starting staff that really wasn't that good. I mean, Chris Young has his best season at 36. He has a 3.06 ERA and 123 innings. Volquez pitches the most for them. And he has an okay year, 3.55 ERA. Uh, Jordano Ventura, the fireballer, uh, you know, he puts up 13 wins. Yeah, I mean... Pitching staff doesn't blow you away. Jeremy Guthrie was garbage. They were able to piece it together with this hitting, with clutch hitting, really good defense. They were able to steal some bags, uh, took care of a real good uh, young Astros team in the first round. Uh, And then in a surprise, the Blue Jays make the ALCS and Donaldson's huge MVP year. They, They take care of the Blue Jays and then, you know, up against the Mets in the series. And everybody was talking about this Mets pitching staff and, and how the Mets were going to be the darlings of the series, and the Royals take care of it in five games. Uh, kind of a surprise. No one would have saw that at the start of the season. The, the Royals were trending to be a really solid team, maybe not World Series contending, but, uh, yeah, this was their year. After after losing in 14 to the Giants, they come back the next year. They're just as good the next year. Uh, win the Central and go ahead and take a shift. One thing about the Cueto deal was part of the uh, – was that the Brandon Finnegan trade from the Reds, right? Wasn't that – Guile, do you remember that? Yes, and uh, I think they got Cody Reed or someone back too. A couple, yeah. couple left-handers. Yeah, so that was, a, that was like a deadline deal, and that really did help them. They needed him in that stretch run. But what stands out to me about this Royals team is they took on the Astros when they first became the Astros in 2015. It was their return to the playoffs with this new version – and I remember really rooting for the Astros because at the time, I, like I said earlier in the show, I was all about that team. And they took a 2-1 series lead in the NLDS against the Royals, and they were up 6-2 to two in the eighth inning when the Royals just did what they did. They scored five runs in the top of the eighth, ended up winning 9-6 in game four, and then they won game five, 7-2. And they got it done when they needed to. There was a lot of points in the entire playoff run well, the Royals had their backs against the wall, and they were able to overcome that and win. So I think the previous year's playoff experience of losing to the 2014 Giants really helped them. And Jordano Ventura, rest in peace. Uh, we'll miss you. He uh, never got to really realize his full potential, but there was 
a live arm on that body. And uh, I just want to pay tribute real quick to a guy who died way too young. Kyle, is this Royals team fun to you? Do they deserve more credit? Because I'm trying to push for this team to get the credit they deserve. So, yeah, and Edinson Volquez, he had his father die in game one of that series, and he didn't know it while he was on the mound. So, yeah, there are a lot of weird coincidences with this team. But uh, like we were talking about, that that Cueto rental really did pay off because he had a complete game two hitter in game two of the World Series. And then he had a fantastic defense. I mean, you've got uh, Low Kane in center. You've got uh, Alex Gordon left. Uh, he consistently takes the best routes in baseball by any metric. But, uh, this guy gets jumps on the baseball. And uh, their defense and bullpen hide their other flaws. So like, you, you don't seem to see that they don't have enough power or that they're starting pitching is weak. Like, uh, they can just get it to the bullpen and they can manufacture runs somehow and really does a good job to, uh, to, to, to just kind of veil their, their flaws. And uh, I'm still taking, like, Olerud, Molitor, and Alomar finished second, third, and sixth in the MVP voting in uh, 93, and I'll take Olerud in his, like, flapless, circumcised fielding helmet over Hosmer's so-called clubhouse presence any day. Like, Olerud's 93 season was bonkers. And uh, – uh, but one more thing about the Royals that uh, uh, that that, that that wasn't there like an advanced scouting thing where they uh, was that that year where where they knew uh, what's his name couldn't make the throw from right field and they sent Osmer. Uh, I'm not sure of that. That sounds familiar, but uh, I don't want to speak out of turn. Do you remember that year? Was this in the series? Uh, maybe it was in a division series. I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear more about that if we can get the uh, verification on that. But Real scalping. <laughs> Edison Volquez, I just ripped on him for the Giants' uh, wild card loss for the Pirates, but he won. Or he didn't win, but he pitched six innings in Game 5 of the clinching World Series win for the Royals and went six innings and only gave up one earned run. So just want to throw that out there. Edison, you get respect for that. After coming back from his dad's funeral in the DR. Exactly. That was a great tidbit. I had forgotten about that as well. So, gentlemen, this is a tough one. I find this to be very difficult. The 93 Blue Jays, the 2015 Royals. Deary, what do you do here? I think I think I know where you're going, but I want to find out. I, I like the 93 Blue Jays in this matchup, but I don't think it can go without being said how scrappy this Royals team was and to win a World Series in 2015 the way they did it with a super scrappy bullpen, clutch hitting. Uh, Ned Yost puts together a really good managerial job for the year. But I think that the 93 93 Blue Jays just have, have too much power on the team, too many Hall of Famers, you know, and also a really, really good bullpen. So I, I, I think the Royals would have a hard time scoring and i think the blue jays just probably score at will on the royals uh starting pitching so i'm, I'm gonna go with the blue jays. oh yeah steven guile what do you think uh the 93 blue jays were pure magic and uh i think i think they were better in every phase of the game than the 2015 royals uh maybe not both and but yeah the 93 blue jays pulled this off here comes some irrational logic I'm taking the Royals because they beat the Blue Jays in the 2015 ALCS and I already voted for the 92 Blue Jays. So why not? I'm going with the Royals. <laughs> sure. Screw it. 
two matchups left. The 2007 Red Sox, the number three seed versus the 2019 Nats, the sixth seed who are taking on a team that really cruised in the 2007 playoffs. It's the 07 Red Sox. I remember that the Rockies in this year went on a hell of a run and people were really surprised. That was like the rise of Troy Tulowitzki at the height of his powers, really coming out, showing out, but uh, they were no match. They did go to a world series though. And I just want to get on the record that that actually happened, but unfortunately they went ahead and lost to the Red Sox. Deary, are the Red Sox the best team in the bracket of all the Red Sox teams we have? Are you saying this 07 team? What are you talking about here? Yeah. Is the 07 team better than the 2018 team? No. No, it's better than the 2004 team. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot better than the 2004 team. Uh, Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz at, at the heights of their power. Uh, Mike Lowell's really good. Dustin Pedroia is a, a rookie. He puts up a nice season. Goddamn Kevin Euclidus. Uh, one, one of the ugliest men you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> You know, they're, they're kind of trying to piece it together with this pitching staff, but they had enough guys that could pitch some innings. Kurt Schilling at 40 puts up 151 innings. Uh, Josh Beckett has a nice season, 20-7, and seven, uh, 3.27 ERA. As, you know, he comes over from the Marlins. Uh, remember Daisuke, the old gyro ball? Daisuke Matsuzaka goes 15-12. and 12. He throws a 204 innings, but uh, – it's all about the bullpen here. Okajima and Jonathan Papelbon, who at one point was maybe the best closer in the league. He's 26 at this point. 1.85 ERA, 37 saves. Really, really nice season. Uh, I'll be honest with you. The 2007 World Series is the only World Series in my whole lifetime that I didn't watch one single pitch. I watched none of this series. Wow. On the record with Chris Deary. I watched the series. It was not much to speak of. I kind of checked in and out, but I remember catching a few pitches here and there. A point of contention. The 2000 Red Sox were down and out in the ALCS. The Indians had them on the brink. The Indians should have gone to the World Series. This totally screwed up this mid-2000s, late-2000s Indians team. They had great pitching. CeCe Sabathia and Cliff Lee. There was a ton of talent there, and they choked three games to one. The Red Sox came back and did it again. They do what they do. They won 7-1, to 12-2, and 11-2 to in the last three games of the series. Just a total explosion. Like, they finally said, all right, this is enough. We're going to roll this team. So that is something that needs to be noted because I was giving the Red Sox a lot of credit for their postseason run and that they dominated, which – they did sweep two series, but in the middle of that sandwiched in is the four, three comeback series against the Indians. And I wanted to clarify that. Kyle, do you remember that? Oh, seven ALCS. Uh, there was a, I remember there was a game where there was like a bunch of bugs on the field or something. Do you guys you remember that at all? Uh, the, are you talking about the Jabba Chamberlain midge game? Or I think there was another one in Cleveland that way, but anyway, oh, the, that's what Cleveland gets for being racist. Get rid of that. Yes. Mascot. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, this is the uh, this is the second wave Francona. Not gotta... racist at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the second wave Francona era. So you got rookies like uh, Jacoby Ellsbury and uh, Petey Pajoya. They're, they're batting one and two. Uh, second year uh, starter Lester completes the sweep for them in the World Series. 
it was a strong rotation. They uh, featured four different starters, and they all logged the win uh, in that sweep. But uh, we are, I mean, you talked about Papelbon, but he gets 100 demerits for the fucking attempt at a river dance or whatever to that equally wretched dropkick Murphy song after they won. Like, it looked like the Bluth family doing their chicken dance. It's like, it was the fucking worst. They're out. Get out of here, Papelbon. Go strangle Bryce Tober. <laughs> Oh, that I do remember that. Wow, I love when Job does the chicken dance. That's great. So the 2000 Red Sox were a solid team. They were still part of the era of Theo Epstein and Terry Francona, like you said. Tito, Tito's boys getting it done. There was no fried chicken on the menu yet. I want to be clear on that. So that was to come a few years later. Now we have last year's World Series champion. This is all fresh in our minds, so it should be easier to kind of recall. We were all there last year. The Nats did their thing in the playoffs, which was something they never did before. They finally got it done, and it was a barn burner. It went down to the wire as anybody watched the series. It was a great series, seven games, beating the Astros. The Astros got a taste of their own medicine from the 2017 series against the Dodgers, in a sense. Will Harris gives up a home run, and then he signs with the Nats in the offseason. Deary, are the Nationals a better team than this Red Sox team? You know, I was debating looking. So the Nationals win 93 games. Uh, they had four teams before this that were, were much better. They finally get over the hump. In 2012, they win 98. In 14, they win 96. In 16, they win 95. In 17, they win 97. And they just can't win in the playoffs. They get rid of their superstar, Bryce Harper, in the offseason and they end up with a better, more balanced squad. Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, the young superstar Soto, they both have incredible seasons, both with over 100 RBIs. Uh, Howie Kendrick comes out of nowhere, bats 344 in 120 games for them. So, you know, you, you get this depth with Howie Kendrick and, you know, guys like Adam Eaton, a young Victor Robles comes up, and he steals 28 bases for you. Trey Turner's injured and misses 40 games, but he comes up and still has 35 stolen bases. Guys like Matt Adams and Brian Dozier both put up 20 home runs, so you know everybody's hitting home runs in this lineup. But obviously, it's all about your starting pitching. When you have Strasburg, Corbin, and Max Scherzer as your starters, ERAs of 3.32, 3.25, and 3.92. Scherzer was injured a little bit last year. And Anibal Sanchez, you know, he's 35 years old. He puts up a real nice season, too. He logs 166 innings, 3.85 ERA. Their bullpen was kind of a mess most of the season. But when you have Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer going deep into games like, like they were doing, that's always going to help you out. And, you know, Strasburg was just a beast in the World Series. He's a guy who, you know, we've seen now for, you know, eight, nine years being a, a really incredible pitcher. And he... You know, he became the captain of that team last year in the World Series and, and got them to a victory in a super exciting playoff. Uh, I actually think that this Nationals team could possibly deserve to be a three seed instead of a, a six seed against against these uh, Red Sox team. I think this is a really good team. I don't think it's reflected by the 93 wins. Uh, they had to go through a real crazy, crazy playoff run. Uh, you know, they they win the wild card game one nothing over the Brewers. And if it's not for that error in right field, they don't they don't make it to the next round. They beat a hundred win Dodger team. 
Uh, NLCS, they get a, a Cardinals team that kind of uh, pulled off a few upsets to get there. And then they beat the Astros in the World Series, which a lot of people thought is an upset. But I was actually picking the Nationals to win that series because I felt like they had a more balanced team, especially with the starting pitching staff. And uh, they, 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 they win the series. They, they do it all. Uh, Anthony Rendon then leaves. So uh, I was really interested to see what was going to go on with the 2020 Nationals, being that they lost their superstar, but they got, you know, a new superstar in Juan Soto. I like this team a lot, and uh, I'm going to actually take them over the Red Sox. Yeah, the Nats beat the Brewers 4-3 in that crazy wild card. Uh, Trent Grisham with the error. That was the moment Brewers front office knew that they had to trade Trent Grisham because he was never going to be able to get that out of his head mentally. It was a total bummer. And he was traded to the Padres in the offseason. But the Nationals were 19-31 and on May 23rd. They just lost to the Mets, and they flipped the script, and they just got it done after that. They started winning, and they kept on winning, and they – had a real distinct advantage by having the Miami Marlins in their division. They went 15 and four against the Marlins. And most interestingly, they went 14 and five against the Phillies, Bryce Harper's team. The Phillies were a 500 team. They weren't like God awful, but they smoked the Phillies and Bryce Harper. They took it to them. And that was a huge advantage. So they really took advantage of teams that sucked. And then they took advantage of a team that maybe they shouldn't have. And I have a lot of respect for this team because Juan Soto is a beast, a badass, a clutch hitter, a really smart hitter who can work the count and then burn you. And between him and Rendon, they were so clutch in this series. Guile, is this a team that you could really get behind? Absolutely. Uh, their only weakness to me, like Gary said, is the bullpen. And uh, yeah, so they didn't win with Bryce Harper for all those other good teams that they had, but you know, that those teams didn't have Juan Soto. So when Obi-Wan took the high ground from Anakin Bregman when he carried his laser sword to first base, I mean, that was amazing. That, that, that was the moment that you knew was going to happen. I think he had like three or four home runs in the series. Uh, and he couldn't even drink yet? Or did, did he finally hit drinking age at some point during the series? Like, maybe he got to have champagne at some point. But uh, I do, again, have to give... A uh, hundred demerits for the Nationals inducing more white people to dance, like Baby Shark and the Pete Buttigieg dance. <laughs> like we could have a seven-game series between them to, to decide the winner for worst white person choreography, but neither would stand a chance against COVID in the worst of 2019 trans final. But yeah, Baby Shark, da, 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 Baby Shark. Another Gregor Blanco reference in the same podcast. That's two. Good job, Gregor. Gregor, we're getting the love, baby. Man, you got to love it. Woo! <laughs> Jeez. Man, that, uh, yeah, what a nightmare. I don't want to see any of that dancing again. Good call. Good riddance. Bottom line, as always, we're bottom lining on this podcast. We want to get the bottom line opinion. We should name it the bottom line podcast, maybe. Deary, who you got? I'm going to go with the 19 Nationals. Wow. Kyle, what about you? 07 Red Sox, 2019 Nets. I'm going with the 2019 Nets. Uh, uh, their weakness was the pen, but when you got four good starters and it's a it's a series, I mean, you can roll out Patrick Corbin, like multi-pass, man. Corbin Dallas, get it going. 
I want to say one thing. I don't know if this is crazy. Deary, I see a lot of similarities. Not not entirely, but I see similarities between this Nats team with the starting pitching and some of the best Tiger teams during the 2010s. Is, what do you think of that? Yeah, the difference was uh, these Nats guys were able to perform in the playoffs uh, as, as a whole. <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, the bullpen was a weakness, too. I just see the construction of the team looks similar to me. But you're right. The big difference was clutch hitting. We had big boppers, but they didn't show out. When you look at most of these World Series teams within this bracket, specifically the last 20 years, 25 years, when relief pitching became so paramount, most of these teams have really, really good bullpens. To see a team like the Nationals have a really shoddy bullpen but still be able to take care of business means that everything else is working in that in that locker room. Oh, man. All right. Let's get to the final showdown. The 1987 Minnesota Twins, who just came off a victory over the 81 Dodgers in round one against the number two seed. The Miracle, well, sort of miraculous Mets, not the 69 Miracle Mets, but they still pulled off a miracle in game six of the 86 World Series to win game seven. The 86 Mets and the 87 Twins, consecutive year champions going head to head. This is fun because we got a bunch of players from the exact same era in back to back years. So it should be interesting to compare this. 1987 Twins we've covered in the previous pod, but we'll do it again. Is there anything else we can find with this team? We know they won 85 games. I watched game four of the ALCS with the Tigers in 87 the other day, and I was just so annoyed by the fact that the Tigers – I texted you guys this, but I haven't put it verbally. Daryl Evans gets picked off at third base in a key situation. It's 3-2 Twins, bottom of the sixth. Frank Viola is out of the game. They brought in uh, Keith Atherton or some garbage reliever. And Daryl Evans gets picked off at third with less than two outs. Why? Why would that happen? And then they leave him in the game, put him at third base. They put him, Daryl Evans, 40, 41 years old at third base. He looks so awful. He had a grounder hit to him, a routine grounder. It just biffed off his mitt because he couldn't bend over enough because he was so inflexible. And then he threw this awful throw with all of his might to third first. And it was so terrible. I cannot stress enough how awful this was. And I saw it in real time. This happened. Sparky Anderson allowed this to happen. Isn't that crazy, Deary? You know, we, we talk about the 06 Cardinals as maybe being the worst, maybe being the worst team in this bracket. As much as I love the 87 twins, just because of how they were able to beat the Cardinals in seven and, you know, Kirby Puckett, one of my favorite players, was on this team. This was a very average team. They had a three-man starting rotation in the World Series. Their ERA, listen to this, their ERA for the season as a team was 4.63. They gave up the fourth most home runs. They played in a weak-ass division. Uh, the Royals won 83 games, and the A's won 81 games in the AL West. There are four teams in the AL East that had better records than the 87 twins. So, I mean, if, if this 87 twins team were able to win a division now and have to go through a division series an ALCS and a world series, I don't think they'd be able to pull off three upsets. uh, Like they pulled off the two upsets in 87. So this is, this is, although they have some guys on this team that I like specifically Puckett, uh, it's such an underwhelming team. And I think this is probably the most lopsided matchup in this round. Man, I really went off on a rant there with Daryl Evans. I, I just can't believe that Sparky Anderson, a smart, legendary manager with so much experience, would let that happen. That really pissed me off. And you're right. That Twins team 
had little to offer in the pitching department. They really did. They did not deserve to win that series. The Tigers truly choked. There were other errors just in that game alone. The Tigers just pissed it away. I, I mean, I think they kind of blew their load in September and gave everything they had when they beat the Blue Jays in that make-or-break final series to win it because the Blue Jays were right on their ass. And you would think that that kind of com competition would give the Tigers an advantage, but the Twins were able to pull it out. So I guess I got to give them credit for that. Yeah, Tigers, just, yeah. Tigers made that crazy trade for uh, Doyle Alexander, who goes 9-0 down the stretch for uh, a guy no one had ever heard of, uh, future Hall of Famer John Smoltz. So nobody would care about that trade now and not even really talk about it if the 87 Tigers would have been able to take care of business and win the series. Doyle crapped out in the 87 playoffs after that great run during the regular season. He was out of gas. So, Guile, this 87 Twins team, what you got, man? Anything else to add? I'm so sorry, man. Like they were outscored during the regular season by like a hundred runs or something. Like their <laughs> Pythag was below 500. Like Pythag, they get 79 wins. Uh, I think the most feared player in this lineup was Hubert A. Humphrey because no one wanted to go to the fucking hit in the Metrodome because that place sucks. And like, like the the Tigers won 98 games. So it was the the uh, the Jays were actually leading in that last week. So, like, they had all the momentum because they swept the Jays in the final week of the season to overtake first place. Jays end up with 96 wins. Tigers get 98 wins. And so they're they're running off a sweep. And then we've got the Twins that lose their last five games and back into the playoffs and should have won as many games as they had. This this team is weak. But, you know, we all still love Kirby Pocket. There's a little bit of magic to this, Jay. Like, to, to make this happen, but uh, yeah, there's, there's no way they should advance in any playoff format ever. Just don't have it. That's well said. I think that's the best way to say that. So twins, you're going up against the 1986 Mets, the team we have not talked yet about in this tournament. So we're finally getting to talk the 86 Mets. This is the only world series team that won a title for the Mets in this era. So they won 108 games. Very impressive by any stretch of the imagination. Took care of the Astros in a tightly contested NLCS. And then we all know how the World Series went once game six rolled around. This is a team beyond that, though, that deserves a lot of credit because they had a ton of talent. Probably fell short of their overall expectations in the long haul during the end of that decade. Deary, this 86 Mets seems legit, man. Tell us why. Yeah, so obviously they're one strike away from losing the World Series, and then uh, some crazy fortunate events happen for them, and they end up winning one of the most iconic World Series of all time against the Red Sox. You talked about that series against the Astros. They were down 0-2 in that series, and anytime they had to face Mike, Mike Scott, they got shut out. Uh, but they end up winning that series to a really good Astros team. This 86 Mets team, 108 victories. They were really, really balanced offensively. Like, I mean, Strawberry was a really, really good player. They pick up an old man in George Foster who puts up some home runs for them. They had a really, really good bench. They had four or five guys coming off this bench that could put up 40 to 50 RBIs. Uh, you know, you got a vet veteran, Gary Carter, who came over if, uh, from the Expos a few years earlier. Uh, 21 and a half game edge over the Phillies in the East. They go 17 and one against the Pirates that year. Uh, you know, what sets this team apart is their pitching staff. They had six guys have over 
10 victories. Dwight Gooden, Ron Darling, Bobby Ojeda, Sid Fernandez is 23. He wins 16 games. Rick Aguilera wins 10 games. Roger McDowell wins 14 games. So they had four, four of those starting pitchers uh, pitched over 200 innings. Three of those guys had ERAs under three. So that's just an incredible, incredible starting staff, which was pretty much like a six-man rotation. Uh, Jesse Orozco, we talked about him the other day. You know, he logs 81 innings out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, he pulls out 21 saves. McDowell had 22 saves. So the pitching staff was just so good here. And looking at the ages of these guys, Gooden, 21, Darling, 25, Sid Fernandez, 23, Rick Aguilera, 24, Roger McDowell, 25. These guys are all 23, 24, 25 years old and winning 15, 16 games, striking out a ton of guys. Gooden strikes out 20. This team's a beast. I mean, I, I was considering, I think I had them originally as a number one seed, but I think we kind of changed it after looking at some of the offensive lineups of other teams. Uh, Lenny Dykstra, we talked about him. He was 23-year-old rookie there uh, for the Mets that year. Uh, old man Ray Knight's over there. Uh, Keith Hernandez, you know, incredible first baseman. He puts up a really, really nice year. Keith Hernandez is another guy that got on that list of, you know, he had, you know, early 80s with the Cardinals to about this 86-87 season with the Mets. He was an incredible player. He won an MVP, I believe, in 80-82 with the Cardinals. He was a really good player. Gary Carter, like I said, you know, veteran leadership. He had 20 home runs. This is a really, really awesome team. Kevin Mitchell, Mookie Wilson off the bench. This is a really, really good team and a very, very difficult matchup uh, for the 87 Twins. Yeah, both these teams do have magic because of how their World Series played out. But the Mets obviously had the most legendary magical moment, which has been dissected 8,000 times. So we don't need to break that down in the Game 6 of the World Series. Roger McDowell pitched 128 innings out of the bullpen for this team. That is a hell of a number in 75 appearances with a 3 ERA. So whether it's the starters or it's the relievers and – as far as I'm seeing, with the main relievers and the main starters, between all 10 of them, not a single one of them has an ERA over four. Randy Neiman, a reliever, has a 379, and Rick Aguilera had a 388 ERA. That's incredible. This team really has every component, power, speed, defense, pitching, front end, back end. Steve, this 86 Mets team, they are really good but they also know how to party. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. So uh, the first thing I would say is uh, this was uh, three years prior to when I lived in uh, Honolulu, and uh, Sid Fernandez is from Honolulu. So, oh, my God, prior to Honolulu, you will like you can't go near a baseball field without hearing about the legend of Sid Fernandez, which was always really funny to me. But, yeah, uh, I mean, this, this Mets team got a, a lot of help. So on the same team is, uh, you know, they were facing the Red Sox. They had oil can Boyd. I think Calvin Schiraldi was the Narcan. He was waking up more benzo bats than a gunpowder field Jobu alarm clock or a mountain of Bolivian marching powder that is the Mets dugout. But uh, both these teams were extremely lucky. I got the Mets taking it in six. And I also think that Dr. K sounds like off-brand Dr. Pepper at, like, the Costco. Yeah. But it was a fucking cool nickname in the 80s. It was before all those knockout Dr. Pepper fans came out. But yeah, and, uh, you know, Ron Darling can do the uh, New York Times Sunday crossword in nine minutes. He's a smart fella. 
Wow, that is impressive. You mentioned Kevin Seraldi. I think about Stanley. Bob Stanley looks even stupider to me. When he comes out there <laughs> in that, like, his he has, like, this doofus ass. I can't – it's hard to describe. He, like <laughs> – the body he comes out with after Kevin Ferraldi kind of blows it and he's supposed to still shut it down, he does not look like even a base. Baseball players are known to maybe look the least in shape, especially back then. But he just looks like this He looks like this guy who just kind of walk around with a fanny pack. And I don't know. It's really bizarre, man. I'm like, is this, a, this is an athlete? God, he's really – I don't know. Looks like he's trying to play third base. <laughs> exactly. Bizarro world. So, uh, Deary, I think it's an obvious choice, right? Yeah, so just matching up these team ERAs. The Mets team ERA was 3.11. You talked about they had every pitcher that appeared in over 15 games had an ERA under four. That's that's just ridiculous. And then I talked about how the Twins ERA was a 4.63 for Deary. And this is a te- two teams from the same era, so this is a slam dunk for me, uh, Mets and Twins. Steven Gao. Oh, yeah, I'm going with the Mets. Uh, yeah, check out the ERA plus, too, on that Mets side. Like, uh, it, it's insane. There, there was not really a below average guy in the bunch, uh, and many of them were well above average, like 50% above average. Yeah, you're right. Wow, I'm looking at, geez, 140, 128, 150. Yeah, wow. Incredible. What a team. The Mets deserve the respect beyond the World Series magic. This is a really good team, and I really do believe that when Davey Johnson, he had to leave. He left in, like, 88, 89, like, of his own volition, supposedly. But he truly is known now, in hindsight, to be an alcoholic, and I don't think he was a very good manager. He was given a lot of chances, and he really didn't deserve them, in my opinion. I know some of that's hearsay, but Davey Johnson – Maybe uh, a better manager would have kept this team more organized and focused, and they could have had a better run. Is that crazy talk, Deary? That 88 team was really, really good. Uh, you know, offensively, they could match. They won 100 games that year, but they got beat by the, the those miracle Dodger team that ended up winning it all in 88. I mean, it probably should have been the 88 Mets in the series to face the A's instead of instead of the Dodgers. And they had, the, they had all the same pitchers on that team in 88 including David Cohn, who went 20-3 and three that year with a 2.22 ERA. So their, wow. pitching staff, their starting pitching staff got even better, and they couldn't take take over the Dodgers in 88. So that, that's got to be frustrating if you're a Mets fan. These 88 Dodgers are becoming more and more baffling all the time. <laughs> the baffler! I'm nonplussed. I am confounded. It, oh, shit. And the 88 Mets, uh, they had Randy Myers coming out of the bullpen. He had a 1.72 ERA. So their bullpen was just as good, too. This is dumb. This 88 Mets team might even be better than the 86 Mets. This is crazy. Thanks, Davey. Well, gentlemen, we've done it. We completed the bracket breakdown. Round two is officially out there. It's on Twitter, at Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Hit our page it's pinned at the top so click on the bracket thread and all 16 matchups from top to bottom are in that thread vote on them now share it with the fan bases tell your friends tell your dad your dad loves you uh your favorite team from so and so year he'd love to talk about it maybe you got a sister who you know she loved baseball and she wants to vote on the 86 mets because they were a positive team in her life who knows i'm sure there's a lot of personal stories we have no idea All we know is we want to get you connected into this. We want the best team that deserves to win to advance. 
because after this, it's going to get even more intense, less matchups, but supposedly even better teams going head-to-head. And I cannot wait to talk about that next week. Steve Guile did a great job joining us on this. Steve, uh, will you keep coming back to join us in this tournament? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's keep getting people lifted and lift up these good teams. Throw it on down and get lifted. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Deary, is this tournament everything you thought it would be? This is your baby. You came up with this thing. (laughs) I'm really excited for the next round. Uh, Hopefully we'll record on Wednesday. And just looking at these possible quarterfinal matchups. Woo! They're really blowing my mind here. Uh, Possible 89 A's against the 93 Blue Jays in a round of 16 matchup. Oh, boy. I'm getting hard over here, folks. <laughs> you got well. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been the Hey, It's a Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. This has been part two of round two, 1980 series winners tourney bracket. It's been a lot of fun. Guys, great job. Thank you for listening. Hit us up. On Palazzo Podcast or Twitter and Instagram. Also, send us an email. We would love to get some feedback. If you heard a reference that you dug today, if you heard something that really pissed you off and baffled you, then write us at Podcast at protonmail.com. Two L's, two Z's. We're out of here. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.